welcome to the Tech Maestro Podcast. Come with me as I discuss my journey in music education and educational technology. Welcome everyone. My name is Ryan Gutsch and I am the Tech Maestro. In today's episode of the Tech Maestro, we are going to talk about my grading system and what I have done and changed over the last year. We'll give you a little insight into some behind-the-scenes IT world at school, and I'll leave you with the Maestro Minute, a quick tip that you can do to help your IT department if you have a problem. So let's begin with my grading system, or should I say my grade list system. Quick little note about my situation. I teach band in grades 6 through 12 in my district. I start my students by testing them at the end of 5th grade, see what instrument they would like to play, and then they get a year of instruction in 6th grade before I push them into a full band situation. So I get the opportunity to teach the full range of talent. I love seeing the growth through the years. I'm one of the only teachers that gets to see that growth every year. In each year of being in the program, I increase the rigor of what they should be able to do, keeping in mind any individual needs within each talent level. Now, I have to admit I didn't come up with the concept of my grading system. I want to give a shout out here to Dave Frangiosa and Elise Burns and their book, Going Gradeless, Shifting the Focus to Student Learning. If you haven't read the book and the system interests you, I highly recommend you check out their book. My system is completely based on skills, which I think is perfect for a fine arts class like band. I constantly assess my students on a set of skills. Many of these skills are universal for everyone despite their level, such as tone production, rhythmic accuracy, can you participate in class by asking questions to make the band better? And some of them are adjusted based on the level at which the student is. For instance, I wouldn't expect a first-year player to have the same tone quality as a sixth-year player. Others of the skills are based on their talent level. If they have accomplished all of the exercises in year two, they should have the ability to attack and learn the skills I require for year three. Usually by the time my students reach year four, they would have the opportunity to enrich their learning with tougher solos or special projects. Or they could continue working in method books, accomplishing exercises in certain keys. So, the system. Everything is marked in a large rubric. Each skill can be given one of five different ratings that they can change as they improve or falter. The ratings are no evidence, which is a skill they've learned how to do but haven't attempted yet. Emerging, so they've attempted it, but they haven't exactly figured it out. Developing, which is they can do the skill, but they haven't really mastered it yet. Proficient, they can prove that they can do the skill, but maybe there's a minor error every so often. And sophisticated, which would be complete mastery of the skill and could perhaps apply it to something more rigorous. My expectation is that each student would get nearly every skill, at least at proficient, by the end of the year. At the beginning of the year, near their first progress report time, 
Obviously, I wouldn't expect a lot of proficient markings yet. But I would certainly expect many skills attempted or even some as high as developing. As the year progresses, I continue to expect more of those skills to be higher in the rubric. So the standard to get the A, B, C, or D continues to rise as we get further in the year. Like I mentioned earlier, the students get assessed on each skill several times throughout the year. Let's take an easy one like tone production. I can assess this informally very quickly by walking around the room as we play. We can also more formally assess it with a critique after a concert. And I try to put uh, teacher assessment and partner it with student self-assessment. Some other skills I will assess during their private lesson times. As we work on exercises, they can prove whether or not they can, say, perform accents. By attempting to play them in the exercises each week they come to lessons. If they can't perform them to the standard in the rubric, they'll fall below that rating on the rubric. Each rating has a description for each skill I'm assessing. Students can retry exercises as often as they would like. I will continue to reassess them. If they can prove that they can, say, play accents on one exercise, I'll give them another exercise with accents to prove they can do the skill and not just practice one exercise to perfection. See, it's about applying the skill, not just getting it right. So let's relate this to another area of study. Let's consider math, for instance. Each class, algebra, geometry, statistics, etc., has certain skills to learn. So let's consider the Pythagorean theorem for a moment. We might label the emerging rating as I can attempt to use the Pythagorean theorem in a problem. So developing could be labeled, I can apply the Pythagorean theorem, but cannot find the correct answer. So then proficient could be, I can apply the Pythagorean theorem correctly. Now, this is an extremely crude example of how to apply this, but I think you kind of get the idea. Here's the beauty of this method versus what many people use in education nowadays. It's okay to be wrong. Can you picture this? Instead of responding with, say, a check mark on a test because a problem is wrong and getting no feedback, a teacher can now say, hey, this would definitely be in the merging since you are applying the skill, but you're not really figuring it out yet. This is how you can improve on it. Can you see the power in this? For me, I can say, good, I, you know, I'm hearing all the notes and rhythms, right? Now let's try to push more air at the beginning of those accented notes. One very important thing I need to mention about this system, it is very feedback heavy. Without feedback, this whole thing falls apart. You need to take time to conference with each student for a moment and kind of discuss what's happening. Give them ways to improve. Suddenly now we are encouraging learning rather than seeing if they can remember something at this moment in time. 
once I started this process, I realized how much of what I was doing, to be honest, was junk. I created my rubric with my dreams of what I really wanted to teach, and I realized that the way I was going about teaching it just wouldn't work. I had to make adjustments both in my style and in the rubric. And if you were to talk to the authors of that book, Dave Rangios and Elise Burns, you would probably hear them say as well that they have been adjusting and changing constantly for eight plus years. This cannot be a one and done thing. You will find faults. But like I said before, it's okay to be wrong. As a teacher, it's okay to be wrong. You can make adjustments, fix things, make it better. Another thing is, this eliminates the idea of doing enough to get the grade. Some students will manipulate the system and do just enough to get the grade they want and then no longer apply themselves. Even I used to get questions like, how much do I have to do to get an A? And now they can't manipulate it that way. They have to work up the rubric. It's not about getting a certain amount of points to be safe. It's about working the skills so you understand the material. It's such a world of difference. As we continue through the season here, we'll, we'll talk more about different things I've encountered and quirks and such in the system, such as how to actually apply this to letter grades. Because, you know, letter, braid, letter grades are still the basis of school districts. So let's transition to some tech stuff. Something happening in my district revolves around Windows. As you may know, Windows 11 was released to the public in October of 2021. At the time of recording this, it's June of 2022. So again, some background about my district. Um, we have been using software that is quite out of date. Um, this is something I've been working on as a technology coordinator since I started. Um, I feel there's no reason we should be using software that's 10 years old. So many more updates have been made, right? So with this idea in the back of my mind, I talked to some of our Uber techs that help us about possibly moving to Windows 11 in this next school year. Now, I will admit I'm not well-versed on the server end of computers, or how an OS functions in such a large enterprise type situation like a school. It is something I'm learning. So my discussion with my Uber techs and with my brother-in-law, who happens to be also in the tech arena, ended with deciding to stick with Windows 10. It was something I'm not keen about doing, but I understand the reasoning behind it. For those of you not in the know, Windows 11 has had some quirks in an enterprise environment, like a school. Uh, most people in the business, from what I understand, is also holding off on pushing Windows 11 until it becomes more stable. So, I'm bummed, but, you know, I understand. Besides that, my district has plenty of other interesting things to deal with before we attempt to push something like Windows 11 out. I am excited to say that our staff will be able to upgrade 
to Microsoft Office 365 from using an older version of Office. So I, I can claim a small win here as some of the software will be up to date. Another interesting thing I'm learning about has to do with Active Directory. Uh, because of the use of another program we have called Aristotle, I've discovered some naming conventions that I just need to sit and fix. We have some emails and usernames that don't match, which makes things hard, especially for the younger students. Therefore, another summer project of mine here will be correcting those things. And, of course, doing a regular reset of passwords. I can tell you that some of the staff certainly could use a, a, a reset password. Um, so, helpful tip, change your passwords regularly. It can save you a whole bunch of stress and frustration. Um, if you have troubles remembering all these different passwords, let me offer you an app idea. A password storage app. Personally, I've been using the app called Bitwarden. The way it works is I have one master password that I must remember, and then all the other ones are stored in the app, and only I that has the master password can see them. The best thing is, it's free. So don't write down all these passwords that any person can randomly grab and use. Store them safely somewhere. Finally, I'm going to give you my Maestro Minute. The theme of this one is Restart. We just finished the school year. It's time to look back on things and get closer to our restart. In terms of computers, it's something so many people overlook. Let's say you have a strange issue, like your sound isn't working correctly. Happened to me just before I started recording today. Of course, you should make sure of the simple things, like you aren't muted, or your volume isn't all the way down. What many IT help desk people will ask you first is, did you do a restart? Sometimes a solution is as far away as simply restarting. I personally have had several instances, including my most recent one here, where my audio devices weren't working, and almost every time it was fixed with a restart. So if you encounter a problem, help out your IT people and try restarting your computer first. If you have some strange quirk or something isn't working the way you think it should, then, if it still exists, you might want to contact your IT department. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you got something out of the podcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, or feedback for me, you can reach me on Twitter at BBT Trivia. Stay tuned for the next episode, where we will dig in a bit more into the gradeless concept and get a glimpse again behind the scenes of the IT department. God bless y'all.